This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The name of Javi Simmons has resurfaced once again, whilst a brand new name of Ezequiel Fernandez has also come to the fore with plenty of positive news surrounding Arsenal's latest injury problems. Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Transfer Show on the Guna Talk, joining you every single morning at 8am UK time. Thank you so much, as always, for doing so. Uh, it is very much appreciated. I hope you had a fantastic weekend and start to your week on Monday too, and that you're ready to tackle what is going to be an extra elongated week before Arsenal play again. No football this weekend with FA Cup fourth round action underway, of course, but Arsenal will be back underway on Tuesday night in Nottingham uh, to play against Nottingham Forest. Between now and then, we've got pretty much the final stretch of the transfer window. Of course, the transfer window closes not in January, but actually closes on February 1st, which is two days after that game against Nottingham Forest. But uh, yeah, it's going to be very intriguing indeed to see how Arsenal cope in these final days of the window. And if anything does rise to see us move for a player, I have predicted that I think there's a chance that maybe one comes in before the end of the window. But... I'm not feeling wildly optimistic about it. We're going to be talking about all that and more. Uh, and thank you to everybody that's continuing to join us every single morning. Good morning to Roy, to Martin, to NSW and Damien, Kaiser, Louis, Errol, Dave, uh, Paul, Barry, Rich, uh, Shiv, Jimbo, Carl, Amira, Alan, Trader Mike, Stevie, uh, Matt G, Maximia, Stephen, Angela, Tom, Falcon, Danny. Thank you so much, guys and girls, for tuning in. You are all very much appreciated. If you could drop a like on the video and subscribe to the channel if you're new around here with those notifications turned on so you never miss a show, that would be awfully appreciated. Shall we crack on with today's stories? I think we should. First of all, though, we're experiencing a bit of a chaotic time here in the UK. I know that weather elsewhere in the world can be far more chaotic than we get over here, but of course, context is always important. So anyone affected by um the 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 weather situation at the moment i hope that in, you are dealing with it well um we woke up yesterday morning to an aerial in our garden don't know if it's ours don't know if it's next doors don't know if it came from a few streets over um no one really uses aerials anymore so <laughs> there's no way of really knowing but i thought i'd share that with you because it was rather interesting waking up in the morning to see just this metal 
satellite thing just in the garden um and wondering what had happened so i hope that you're all dealing with things very well indeed um but moving into today's stories um declan rice uh his injury is said to be not as serious as what it could have been according to sammy Mottbell of the mail who says that he will indeed be in contention for the game against nottingham forest which is obviously a big big boost to Arsenal fans worrying about that. We've got no news on Gabriel Magalhaes at the moment. Of course, also came off with a bit of a muscular issue, but he did look fine following the game and spoke to Frimi in a post-match video on the Arsenal website. But I suppose the more exciting news for fans is on Nurian Timber, uh, who is expected to return to training next month. Uh, there had been suggestions that he would return to training in January. Those have been firmly disproven. Uh, instead, it is expected that he'll be returning to training in February, which does kind of fall in line with the prediction that I've been giving you for quite some time now that a March return is very much on the cards. I think Mikel Arteta is being a little sneaky when he's being asked about any of the Arsenal latest um, injury and transfer news, to be fair, but particularly on injuries. He never likes to give anything away. And he was being very cautious about even talking about him being available this entire season. Um, But it could be that we find the Dutch international returning to things um, in, uh, in March. I actually spoke to Timber very briefly after the game against uh, Crystal Palace. Uh, I always get a chance to kind of speak with him as he walks through the mix zone uh, after games and always do a little quick check-in and he's always saying that he's good and doing well. So uh, that certainly is moving in a positive direction, it seems. Uh, Jakob Kivior is going absolutely nowhere. Um, The player's agent, uh, Kimonshik, has been speaking and the Mirror reports this, that Kuba is an Arsenal player, they say. Uh, There are no signals that they want to get rid of him and I don't think anything will happen in the winter window. This story really annoys me. There's nothing wrong with what the agent says. There's nothing wrong with the report of the story. What really annoys me about this story is the discourse around Jakub Kivior. Is the way in which some fans speak about Jakob Kivior. I think it's incredibly disparaging. I think it's incredibly disrespectful, actually, actually at times, how Jakob Kivior is spoken about as a player. Yes, he scored an own goal against Liverpool in the FA Cup, and it was a it was a poor header in a poor moment. Made a mistake. Players make mistakes. It happens. I think that he's coming to a club where his number one position, where he is most comfortable, is at left centre-half. His next next best role, you would argue, is more as a traditional left-back playing in that Poland international side, not in the inverted left-back that obviously Arteta plays. And he's having to learn that for the very first time in his career. Uh, And this is a player that still very, very young for a centre-half. Very, very young. And you get people out there saying, ah, he's not good enough. Not good enough for Arsenal. Get rid. It's a failed. We'll put him down on the miss list. We'll put him down the list of players that are poor signings. Uh, and I really, really do think um, that what we're finding with Jakob Kivior is a really frustrating uh, discourse around him from some supporters. So I'd just like to sit here in the camp of people that actually think that it's time to give Jakob Kivior a bit more time. You know, I've, I understand the frustration around Kai Havertz. We spent a lot of money on him. I understand to an extent as well the under, the uh, the frustrations of Fabio Vieira. We spent a lot of money on him. 20 million quid, I think, is what we spent on Jakob Kivior. And he is really, you know, going to struggle to get regular game time unless there is an injury to Gabriel Magalhaes. Um, I think what's said about him and what's spoken about him on a regular basis by some fans is actually incredibly quite poor. Um, so I would recommend maybe stepping back and, and looking at the broader picture with Jakob Kivior before we continue to 
batter, uh, a player that's actually performed pretty well, is still very young and developing at the club as well. Um, Marseille, I reported this yesterday uh, off the back of reports uh, last week from uh, L'Equipe, are indeed interested uh, on re-signing Nuno Tavares. He spent the season last year on loan at Marseille. He's currently with Nottingham Forest. To my understanding, there is no recall clause in that loan deal with uh, Nottingham Forest. And so therefore, both teams would have to come to an agreement uh, in order to uh, find a termination of that loan. Now, obviously, there's a loan fee. There is an option included in that, which obviously we can imagine now won't be being activated. Um, but there is obviously a loan fee that you'd have to imagine would be uh, agreed upon to be uh, portioned up, if you like. And it would only be paid in in part if he was to return and then go back out on loan to Marseille, if indeed that turns out to be the case. But uh, he has started the last two games for Forest because they've been missing a fair few players because of the African Cup of Nations. But with Ivory Coast now, to my understanding, eliminated, they will be getting back a number of their players um, back to the squad. So Tavares' position, it seems, will be um, you know under threat once again and, and the chance of minutes slipping away from him. So it does make sense that a move uh, to another club on loan for the rest of the season would make sense for both and all three parties, really. But, um, yeah, whether or not an agreement can be found with Forrest remains to be seen at the moment. Moving into um, transfer stories of potential incomings, and according to El Crack Deportivo, uh, an outlet reporting uh, on Argentinian players, uh, Arsenal are said to be scouting Boca Juniors midfielder Ezequiel Fernandez. Now, I can't suggest that I know loads uh, about the midfielder at all. Uh, at the age of just 21, he's still a very young player. But what we do know is that Arsenal's scouting and recruitment drive in South America has increased quite significantly over the last couple of years. We know, and I was speaking to Andrew and Arsbog about this actually, that they've recently employed a South American scout from Real Madrid. Um, Javier, I believe is, is, is his name, is coming from Real Madrid and is working to find some young starlets in South America. So it makes sense that we're going to start seeing more links with players in that region of the world. Um, but 21 years of age, he'll be turning 22 come the summer. Uh, he's valued at around £10 million, but plays the majority of his games in kind of a defensive midfield position. So it could be seen as a um, uh, an alternative, a cheaper alternative to replacing Jorginho. There's been links with Jorginho leaving the club. If they still want to bring in Martin Zubamendi to be a long-term replacement of Partey and Jorginho leaves and Elneny leaves, you'd argue that they would still be able to and would be open to bringing in another midfielder on top of a Zubamendi or a marquee midfielder. So maybe that's where these links come from. That said, um, this is still a very loose link at this stage. And we've certainly heard nothing regarding uh, anything extra uh, on this side of the uh, the the Atlantic to talk about uh, Ezequiel Fernandez as a key signing. Uh, and that kind of still goes for our headlines through the day. Fabrizio Romano talking yesterday to court offside, saying that Arsenal did indeed track Xavi Simmons last summer. Uh, we spoke a lot about Xavi Simmons in the summer transfer window before he left PSV, returned to PSG, and then went to RB. Lots of acronyms going on there. Um, but uh, Arsenal are still said to be keen on the Dutch international. And uh, he'll obviously return to PSG in the summer. And then it will be a decision of whether or not he stays at PSG or if PSG attempted into a sale. I'd love to see Xavi Simmons um, at Arsenal. I think he's a fantastic young player. Um, can play in multiple positions of attacking midfield. Can play on the right. Can play on the left. Um, really versatile. He's a really fantastic young guy. And uh, would certainly be in my list of players uh, that I'd love to see arrive at the club in the near future. 
Right, let's move to part two and your questions. are going to be going on a little bit longer this morning because we had a short show yesterday and I'm going to stick to that promise. So uh, uh, let's tackle and go through as many of your questions as we can right after this. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes at McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, uh, let's jump into the chat book, shall we? Uh, we'll scroll up a little bit and see what uh, what questions we've managed to miss. Um, TJ says, what we can all agree on is that Forest need more players. <laughs> I don't know if they can bring in more players. I've never seen a club bring in so many players as, as quickly as they have. It's absolutely mental. Um, Paul says, hi, TGT family. Good morning. I'm liking the new verbal headlines at the start, so I much appreciate it. I just thought I'd mix it up a little bit. You know, you often see kind of when YouTube's fade into their intros and things like that, it's, it's more of a youtube thing to do. So I thought I'd adopt the same strategy as well. Uh, Rich says, I read that Kivior broke the club's jumping and sprint records. Surely a reason to stick with him longer. I, I just don't think that there is a reason to to be speaking so disparagingly about Jakob Kivior. At the end of last season, do you remember when Arteta was being absolutely pummeled for not bringing in Kivior sooner and instead playing Rob Holding? And now we see fans just talking really horribly about Jakob Kivior. Ironically, I think most of them are the same fans that bashed Arteta for not bringing Kivior in for Rob Holding sooner at the end of last season. It's quite a bit of an irony, if you like, to that. But at the end of the day, judging him on playing out of position is just a mistake because he is a centre-half. Beyond anything else, that is his number one role. That is his number one position. He is a centre-half. And he needs to develop. He needs to grow in his ability. He needs to get stronger as a player. Um, But to to be talking about him and saying categorically after just over a year, if that, of having him, that he's not good enough, he's not of Arsenal quality, when I really challenge people to go out and find a player that's going to be willing to join Arsenal and sit behind Gabriel Magalhaes. It's as good as Gabriel Magalhaes. You know, and uh, and and be content in learning and developing and growing at Arsenal as Kivior seems to be. It just seems very frustrating um, the way in which Kivior is spoken about. Um, as the rule says, hey Tom, have you seen Fabrizio's answer as to who is going to win the Champions League this season? I did see a clip saying apparently he said it was Arsenal. I love his optimism. Optimism. I wish I could be as optimistic as him. Uh, Avanash says, do you think Jesus will accept a reduced role next season when we sign a new striker next summer? If not, uh, do you think we'll decide to keep him or keep Nketiah or we'll sell them both? I spoke to Gabriel Jesus after the Champions League game against, I think it was Lens, uh, actually. Uh, it might have been Sevilla, one of the two games. And I actually asked him about the links to other strikers. And he, he spoke very 
adamantly about how he's dealt all of his career with um with you know words of of, of links to other strikers when he was at Man City and he was talking about it with with Aguero being there and then other strikers potentially coming and he's just focused on himself. So I don't I don't think so. I think he's at an age in his career where maybe uh, he will still be willing to compete. He's very versatile, so he can play in other positions. Um, and so that's important to add to it as well. Whereas Nketiah is very specialised as a striker. You don't see Nketiah playing in the wings. So Whereas Jesus, he definitely could. Uh, so it's difficult to see Jesus moving as much as it is easier to see Nketiah moving. Um, Alexander says, the easiest way to make yourself feel better is to bring others down. Arsenal had bad form and fans always need a scapegoat. You're absolutely right, mate. Anthony says, morning, Tom. First live show in a long time. Uh, welcome back. Uh, if we somehow managed to get 40 million for Havertz in the summer, who would you want to bring in that left eight role except Granit Xhaka? Well, Anthony, I can tell you for starters that Arsenal aren't selling Kai Havertz in the summer. Um, so we can quash that potential right now. He's going nowhere. If Arsenal were to spend forty million on a midfielder, however, you know Martin Zubamendi, um, I think is a great option to bring into the DM position. So then Rice can move into the left eight role more often. So that's what I would do. Is Zubamendi for me comes in, and then you've got Rice, who I think you can push a little bit further forwards. Uh, Kaya says, any update on Fabio Vieira? Not at the moment, mate, I'm afraid. Um, still pretty quiet on that front. Um, hopefully he will be back soon. He was in Dubai with the Arsenal team and did some, obviously, recovery there. But, uh, yeah, very, very interesting to see um, what's what's going to happen. Uh, Chris says, Almiron and Trippi are leaving Newcastle. Would you pounce on Newcastle in the summer for an Isaac or someone else? Almiron would be good for us. Uh, it's worth bearing in mind the context around those moves. Um, more so, Almiron, if that turns out to be the case. There's links with Saudi Arabia. There's question marks about the, what's going on there. You know, the Newcastle are Saudi-owned. If suddenly a Saudi side pays a rather ridiculous fee for Miguel Almiron, it really does raise questions. And it raises questions about Premier League clubs who voted against blocking this from happening you know you have to consider that so th there's something about looking within we know Arsenal I believe voted against it um but clubs like Sheffield United Manchester City um you know obviously you have their links with other clubs in other nations and are owned by um consortiums or owners from other uh, that have also their fingers in other pies of other clubs um there's some real questions to be asked there would I be keen on any of those players? Well, the thing is, if they sell Almiron and they sell Trippier, they might not need to sell uh, the likes of Isaac. But obviously, Isaac would be a fantastic addition, and I'd love to see him at Arsenal. But uh, I don't see Arsenal um, being able to stump up the money for what they would ask for Isaac, to be honest. Steve says, Tom, if it came down to only being able to get Fafana or Zubamendi, which one would you have? Uh, Zubamendi, mate. I like Fafana a lot. I see Fafana as a player that could be financially viable on, as a cheaper option if Arsenal weren't able to spend the bigger money on, on Zubamendi as a £53 million pound release clause uh, in his contract, €60 million. Euros. So he'd probably be twice the cost uh, of what Fafana might cost from Monaco. So that's why I like Fafana and I think his profile is really good. But Zubamendi is, is a really exciting player. I think I'd love to see also arrive at Arsenal. Uh, Sarah says, we love the good talk. Thank you, Sarah. Very much appreciate your support. Um, Marcus says, I know that you love traitors. FYI, Harry is the son of my wife's friend and lives down our roads. Is that true, Marcus? Very interesting indeed. Uh, Harry's having a fantastic time on traitors. Um, doing very, very well. He might be a little bit too overconfident at this stage. Um, he, he may have let his... Uh, 
his hero status go a little bit to his head at this stage of the series. Uh, I'm interested to see how it plays out. Um, Ayanle says, if we don't win any trophy, do you think that uh, that will be that Arteta will be sacked? If not, what do you think one more year? I, I feel like I get asked this question every single show. Uh, no, I don't think Arteta will be sacked if we don't win a trophy this season, to be honest. Neither do I think that he should unless we finish in a really awful position. Um, I didn't have Arsenal down as winning uh, one of the trophies this year. I hope we'd compete for them, of course, but Man City were my favourites for all the competitions that Arsenal have entered in this season. So uh, it makes sense that, that obviously, um, you wouldn't just sack a, play, a manager because they didn't overachieve during a campaign. But if we were to finish in a really poor place, you know, outside the top three, I, I, I struggle to understand how this Arsenal team should be finishing outside the top three, to be honest. But we'll have a look in... Um, We'll have a look in uh, in May and I'll make our judgment at the end of the season. I always say that. You can only really know what's happened until you've got the full context of the season. Uh, Eros says, if Arteta is making the Cronkies money, he's here to stay. Um, clearly, Eros is living about half a decade ago before the Cronkies took over. Um <laughs> <laughs> and doesn't really understand how things have changed since then. Uh, Bizarre says, uh, TGT, what are your thoughts on selling Fabio Vieira? I have not been impressed by him whatsoever. What do you think? If Arsenal can get a good amount of money for Fabio Vieira, I wouldn't I wouldn't be against the idea. Uh, he's not pushed on, has he, from arriving. He's not been able to establish himself. He's not really been able to showcase why we spent so much money on him. So, no, I wouldn't be wildly against the idea of, of selling Fabio Vieira and replacing him with somebody else, like a Zabby Simmons, for instance, who can play an attacking midfielder role and in a wide area, just like Vieira has for us um but um yeah I, I don't see fabio vieira going anywhere at the moment but i would be open to it um chris says next season do you want arteta to take cups more seriously the fa cup is a massive one if we won under arteta then getting top three even i would think of shutting up against him i don't expect the league uh in terms of taking cups more seriously i find this a really strange concept about arteta and apparently he doesn't take them seriously you know we played liverpool we were knocked out by liverpool in the fa cup this year who were top of the league we're knocked out by manchester city uh who won the league last season in the fa cup it's it's difficult to say he doesn't take them seriously the league cup I understand to more of an extent we've been knocked out by West Ham and then Brighton, of course, in the last two seasons in that tournament when we've made some clear rotational changes. Um, I just think that the League Cup for me, it doesn't change anything too much if Arsenal was Arteta was to win it. I really don't think that a League Cup saves Arteta uh, from the, the vitriol that he receives on a regular basis. Um nor do I really look at Man United as a club who won it previously as a club that are on the up or I would trade places with them because they won the League Cup. I certainly wouldn't. So it's difficult. But I, I think it's often a little bit um, of a strange one when it's said that Arteta doesn't take the Cups seriously. Have we underachieved? Well, we were knocked out by Liverpool and Man City. You know, in that sense, I'm not sure we have, but I'd like us to do better. You know, I, I really would like us to do better in the FA Cup, of course. But I'm not judging Arteta or not progressing past either of Liverpool or Man City. And I think we were really unlucky against Liverpool. Obviously, if we'd have had better finishing on the day, I think we would have progressed actually quite comfortably. Um, Eros, in response to what I said about the Conquest, says, big up, Tom. I, I like your knowledge of football, but as you can see, I'm a little bit more pessimistic when it comes to us. And look, Ross, I appreciate the self-reflection and, and understanding. I understand why there is pessimism. I really do. I empathise with it because we've not won a league in 20-odd in years. 
And I really get why there is pessimism. But I think that you have to, I, I think sometimes we forget so quickly where we were and where we are now. I remember talking about Arsenal when I took over the channel in 2016. And, and before that, when I was doing appearances on a Burkamp Wonderland in 2013, um, we were nowhere near, nowhere near thinking about a title. Nowhere near. For the good, the better part of better part of just under a decade, for eight odd years, we were nowhere near thinking about being in a title race, challenging City or challenging Liverpool. All we used to say is, you know, we're world class players away from challenging. We're like five or six signings away from from beating or trying to challenge our, our Manchester City. And now, now we find ourselves with the expectation of challenging, and uh, if he doesn't win the league. We have to sack him for some. So it's it is he's a victim of his own overachievement in some ways. I always often feel. Uh, Chris says when it comes to the Carabao Cup, can you see the argument that it can help propel to a better finish at the end of the season? Although it didn't really work for Manchester United, and I think it's a really good example, Chris. Like winning that Carabao Cup competition is no guarantee that you're moving as a club in the direction toward where you want to be. I want Arsenal to be winning the league. I want Arsenal to be winning the Champions League. That's what I want for this club. That's what I want. And I always want Arsenal to be making decisions, which I think has put us on a track to that end goal. I personally believe that we are on a track towards that goal. I think that's the direction that as a club we are moving in. And I think all the evidence of Arteta's tenure points us to that, that we are moving in that direction because we have never been closer. Never been closer since 2006, in my opinion, to winning a Champions League or winning the Premier League, we've never been closer, in my view, than we are right now as a club. And so until I think that we have moved away and that the track we're on is not taking us towards that goal, or I think there is a blatantly more obvious pathway to that goal, and then it's not just about reaching that, by the way. I think that's something that people often misconstrue. It's not just about reaching the destination of winning the league, winning the Champions League. It's not just about getting there. It's about sustaining that position. It's about getting to a place where you win the league or the Champions League and you have the capacity to win it again and again and again and that you stay there. I don't want to be in the sense of the way like Chelsea are. And yes, I'm very envious of their two Champions League titles and their significantly higher number of Premier League titles compared to us. I think you look at the short-term success, you look at the investigation that's going on there, you look at the investigation going on with Man City, of course, as well. If I, if Arsenal win something, I want them to have done it right, for starters. And I want them to have done it in a way in which I know that they, I can see them sustaining that position into the long term and sustaining a, a position. Now, there is also another argument that is, is that even possible? With what Arsenal are up against, if they're up against a team that are currently facing the allegations that they're facing. Is that possible? Well, Liverpool are the example. Liverpool are the team you look at and say, well, in six years, they've won one league title and one Champions League. And they've won a lot of cups, to be fair to them as well. And they've had the second best manager in the world. Well, the third best manager in the world, arguably. I think Ancelotti comes into that conversation. Um, but for me, probably the second best manager in the world during that time uh, at their club has helped them to get there. Now, I think Arteta is a coach that is in the bracket of coaches below that elite level, but I think he's a coach that absolutely has the potential of entering that level if he can get Arsenal to winning Premier League titles and winning Champions League titles. He certainly will be amongst the absolute elite. I think Pep almost stands on his own, but obviously is a club that has had a lot of money 
1.2 billion spent on it plus since he arrived and of course is facing the current investigations that it faces so it's it's very very difficult and what i don't like is often disparaging comments like this magambo I tolerate, to be honest, uh, in the chat box. Uh, there's times at which I could be really, I could slam the ban hammer down just through frustration. I really try not to. So be very guilty of doing that back in the day, of just slamming the ban hammer down on on people completely misrepresenting my words, which Magambo has done here by saying, so 20 years of Arteta, cool. Because um, that's not the way in which I'm talking about Arsenal. Arsenal should be moving in the right direction. And I think are moving in the right direction under Arteta. And until I see a pathway that takes us to that destination and can keep us in that destination for a really long time, then of course, of course, I think that that we should stick until we should twist on something that I think could go in a better direction. But to turn around and suggest that I'm saying that I'm just committing to 20 years of Arteta is not only insulting because you've not listened to what I've said, but it's disparaging of the points that other people raise in the chat book, chat box as well. So I really encourage you to not be like that. <laughs> uh, it's maybe difficult and hard sometimes, but uh, it's 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 just unhelpful more than anything. Uh, Guna from NZ says, Jesus is such a machine and always making runs and linking play. Is there a possibility for him moving into a number eight role like the Bergkamp role? I can't see it. I know some people do. I can't see it. I really can't see... Um, Jesus moving into midfield. I just don't see it. Uh, it's, it's, I'm sorry. Uh, the passing-wise that a midfielder has, I'm not sure Jesus has. I think he has the passer of a player that can play out in the wide positions, but of a progressor, of an incisive progressor, I just can't see Jesus having that ability. Trossard, I can, but, but Jesus, I can't. I really can't. Um, Hussein says uh, Klopp's been in the Champions League final in the title race a few times hopefully Arteta can continue to at least challenge and reach the last stages absolutely like Liverpool for me are the, the, the blueprint if you like like Liverpool are without a doubt the blueprint they've got in a manager that is that, that um, is fantastic and obviously is up there alongside Klopp as, as one of the best managers in the world and is, is not just one of the best managers in the world but is one of the best managers in the world at sustaining something he's not like a two, three years and done and then leaves the club in a mire like we've seen so many times with other managers. But he's a manager for me that that is that with Dortmund and now with Liverpool, you know, has, has had them in a position where he's getting them to Champions League finals or winning them in the case of with Liverpool. But he got obviously Dortmund to that Champions League final. He won the Bundesliga against Bayern Munich with Dortmund as well. Um, and I don't see an alternative to Arteta right now that is taking us to where I want to go sooner. Um, because you have to remember that if you change coach, you're talking about going back to square one in some ways with the squad, with the players that you've got. Do I see a risk out there that's worth taking? No, I don't. Um, and I think that we have to absolutely aspire to kind of emulate what Liverpool have done. The challenge that we've got that Liverpool didn't have is Liverpool themselves. Liverpool had one target in those years, and that was Man City. Arsenal now have two. Now, you'd argue that Liverpool also have two with Arsenal rising up as well. But in those years, it was Liverpool versus Man City. Now it's Arsenal versus Man City and Liverpool. And that is the challenge that we have got, of course, that they then didn't. Uh, one Tom Suits' clock was an experienced manager when he took over at Liverpool. And this is Arteta's first job. We have to be realistic about that. 
I think that the obvious reply to that would be, well, why don't Arsenal just go and get an experienced manager as well? And I think the answer to that retort would be, obviously, who? Uh, now, the managers that are out there, you would say that you could argue in the bracket of top, top coaches out there are Antonio Conte, who obviously failed at Spurs um, and is being talked about as a replacement for Jose Mourinho at Roma, which probably tells you where his stock's at right now. Jose Mourinho himself, who, again, has not won a trophy since the UEFA Conference League final, and that was his only trophy in a really long period of time because, obviously, he failed at Spurs as well. Um, you've got Diego Simeone, which I always kind of laugh at because I always laugh at the idea of people saying we should replace a manager that's won one trophy in four years with a, tro- a guy that's won one trophy in six years. Um, Thomas Tuchel is, of course, already at Bayern Munich and isn't going to be leaving, but is I, I rate Thomas Tuchel to a degree, um, but... Again, he's a manager that doesn't give you sustainability uh, and has always tended to kind of go out in a ball of flames, be it at PSG, be it at Chelsea, um, be it at Dortmund. Uh, You've got Hansi Flick being suggested. For me, Hansi Flick is someone that gets suggested when they've not watched what happened to Germany. He did a really good job at Bayern Munich. That said, Bayern Munich have got a context around them that always should be taken into account. But if you look at what happened, I mean, if you speak to Drew, who is... I'm willing to bet more knowledgeable about German football and the national side than anybody who watches this show. You speak to Drew about Hansi Flick and that job at Germany, and he'll give you a very good explanation as to why that is certainly not the right choice and a very educated, well-explained point of view as to why why that isn't the right choice for Arsenal. And then the other name that comes up sometimes is Zidane, who hasn't taken a job since he left Real Madrid. Again, similar to the Bayern Munich situation, the context around that job. Um, and the resources he had at Real Madrid and obviously the understanding and the knowledge of that club as well is mad. Um, but it's very, very, very interesting the, the the names that get talked about just kind of thrown out with not too much um, explanation behind them. Uh, Rob says, I wonder what Arteta out local fans and Liverpool fans would say about Klopp if he hadn't won a Premier League and a Champions League. It would be hard to argue he was still a good manager. <laughs> The problem is, Rob, is that he did win the Champions League and the Premier League, so it doesn't really work, does it? Uh, Andrew says, Arteta still learning his in-game management and signings. Presumably, we can improve our attack next window. If we don't win anything next season, then serious questions will need to be asked about Arteta. Again, it's it's I, I refrain from using that phrase of, if he doesn't win something, serious questions need to be asked, because I don't know what the context of that season is. I can't make a judgment until the end of that season comes and where we finished and where we are and what happened and why it happened during that season. So, yeah, it's it's tough. It's really, really tough. People were screaming from the rooftops for, uh, for De Zerbi to come in. And Brighton this season have not been the, the Brighton that people raved and called on Roberto De Zerbi for last season. That, that name has, has died out. I remember Arsenal fans calling and shouting at Graham Potter, shouting Graham Potter's name from the rooftops on this channel, in this chat box. And I had to go show after show after show, batting away claims that we should be getting Graham Potter in as Arsenal manager because of the job that he did at Brighton. Were you listening to the channel when you remember me talking about Graham having to bat away Graham Potter calls? We're so fickle. We're so incredibly fickle. Um, Alexander says, as long as we're competitive, I'm content. Don't be greedy. Be patient. We're going in the right direction. I think the expectation on Arsenal is competition. Always for me. But Arsenal have to be competitive. Arsenal always, always have to be competitive. We have to be trying to compete 
The expectation entitlement around winning is different for me. I never expect a Premier League title or I never expect a Champions League title for Arsenal Football Club at the moment because we're not of that standing in the context of this Premier League as it is today. You know, back in the glory golden era of Arsene Wenger, you know, we expected a title because it was us and Manchester United and I rated us higher than them, even though they were a fantastic side and Sir Alex Ferguson obviously proved to be in a longer period of time because of what they were able to do that we obviously weren't able to do as we changed stadiums. But I often look at um, the the talk around Arsenal, obviously in 2023-4 and the entitlement uh, around it as well. Uh, Mark says, what are your thoughts on starting Smithrow on the left at the number eight position between Zinchenko and Martinelli against Forrest? I think that he could be very dangerous there and would help. I, I asked for that to be the case against um, Forrest, against um, Palace, Mark. I would love to see that given a go because I just don't want Havertz in midfield. I just don't. I really don't want Havertz in midfield. I want to see him in the box. I want to see him playing just off of the centre forward if that's where you're going to play him or as a centre forward that's what I want to see Havertz doing I don't want to see Havertz in midfield I'm, that's just not where I like Havertz playing um, Abdul says hey Tom how many points do you expect from our next five Premier League games oh how many do I expect how many do we need I mean we need 15 don't we if we're going to win the title really um, Forest away we have to win Liverpool at home we have to win but we have to, if we want to win the title we have to be Liverpool Absolute minimum, you can't lose that game. I think if we lose against Liverpool, that title race is probably done. Um, it's only very, 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 very slim hopes of a title if we lose to Liverpool. I think we have to win that game. A lot of pressure on that game. Um, I think we can win that game. I think the game where we lost against Liverpool in the FA Cup showed me we can because of what we did in that first half. And if we were more clinical, I think we would have won that game. West Ham away. You know, we've got to get revenge on West Ham. Two defeats this season. Can't be having a third. They've been in a little bit of a rut themselves as well and are facing some injury issues also. Burnley away. Um, Burnley are terrible. We have to win that game. And uh, Premier League, so we're not going to count Porto in this, but uh, we will talk about Newcastle at home. Tough game. Again, got to win it. It's difficult because like, we asked the question, how many do you expect? At the end of the day, Abdul, I expect Arsenal in a title race this season. And so if I'm expecting Arsenal to be in a title race this season, I go into every game expecting us to win. The only game I don't expect us to win is probably away at Manchester City um, and away at Liverpool. They're the two games that I'd say that I don't expect Arsenal to go in and look to win. At home against Man City, we prove we can beat them. At home against Liverpool, we know we can beat them as we did last season, uh, even though we you know, drew at Anfield, lost in the FA Cup. But I think we can beat this Liverpool team. I really, really do. But it's going to be a really, really tough challenge. It's going to be really, really tough to do it. But we have to beat them. We have to beat Liverpool if we're expecting Arsenal to try and win a title this season. It's just That's just the way that it is. Uh, Zed says, am I the only one who's getting really annoyed? Liverpool have exceeded expectation and seemingly look to have taken our place competing with City for a title. Liverpool and Man City have proven winners but we're the pretenders. I mean, if you're really annoyed by that, I, I can't, I mean, it's it's difficult, isn't it? Because at the end of the day, the, you look at the last six seasons of where the two teams that competed for titles have been, we were in there once. Liverpool have had 90 plus seasons multiple times and still not won the league. So if you're really annoyed by that, I'd recommend looking back over previous titles and tables because then I guess that you'll probably give you some perspective um Alan Lee says Tommy you're going to be doing a show with Curtis Shaw anytime soon it would definitely give you a different perspective I've been open to doing the show with Curtis for quite some time I've sent him a message on on, on Twitter but uh 
didn't get a response. So I, I assume that that's probably not going to happen. But Yanli, definitely, I've been open to that in the past. Um, so yeah, I, I, it's not like I've I've shied away from doing that. I've definitely been open to the idea of doing a show with Curtis, uh, very dedicated and um, and hardworking content creator. Um, I don't necessarily agree with his views, but uh, but you certainly can't you can't begrudge his, his work ethic. Um, Benji says also, what's this I'm hearing about Partey being in training since early January and not being pictured to stay on Ghana's good side? Um, I don't know about that, Benji. I, I can't say I know anything about that at all. Um, I know that Partey's return date was hoped to be end of January. We could have we could see him against uh, against Forest, I guess with. Um, I guess with Curtis, uh, okay. so sorry, so I read a comment of Curtis's name in the chat. I'm now said Curtis uh, with Partey, um, with Garner, sorry, out of the competition. Uh, the, I guess there's more scope that you could say we could bring him back and say that well, Garner are out, so he wasn't ever going to go back. But I don't know. I, I can't say. I, I've got to tell you the emotions I saw um, from Ghanaian supporters on my timeline yesterday. I, I, I have to feel for them. Um, I really do. Uh, I really do, really, really do feel for the fans of, of you know, Ivory Coast as well, the host of the tournament. Such passion in Africa about football. Um, it's an amazing scene to witness, the passion that you see for the sport uh, in Africa. It is brilliant. Um, and uh, it's sometimes I feel like the passion, you know, um, you look to the passion in the Euros. It spilled over uh, in the final when England played Italy. And sadly, there were some really awful scenes that we saw. I think passion in the right direction, obviously, is is, is great. Um, but yeah, there's, there's some amazing scenes, um, amazing scenes of the AFCON. And there always is. Every single time that tournament's on, you see it. Um, Kai says, uh, oh, no, I've missed that. Where's that? I've lost the comment. Why have I lost the comment? Why has it disappeared? Oh, I'm sorry, Kai. It's disappeared off my screen. Um, the, the Fab 19 says, I expect to win the Champions League this season. People believe and achieve. <laughs> we're manifesting i love it i love absolutely manifesting it mm says equatorial guinea and cape verde are having a great tournament yeah um they absolutely are uh there was um cape verde had a great tournament um was it their first entry into the competition they reached like the last 16 or the quarterfinals it was an amazing story i remember reading about it um there's always some there's always uh, a surprise always a surprise damien says the afcon gets too much disrespect the, the reason why the afcon gets a lot of disrespect is because of when it's hosted obviously it's frustrating for club fans to see their players lost to those competitions managers jürgen klopp's been guilty of this talking about it and being caught out by journalists talking about the afcon cup of nations in not the most glowing of terms um so that's why i guess disrespect it's it's purely a health reason as to why that tournament is hosted during the season, because obviously the African continent is too hot to play when we would tend to be in our off season here in, in, in European leagues. So it does get a lot of disrespect, unfairly so. I understand where that disrespect comes from in the sense of why it exists, but it doesn't mean that it's justified or vindicated by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, G6 says, Tom, I really believe that Arteta will win every trophy possible with the club, matching George Graham um, with a League Cup and a European trophy. I hope you're right. I really do. I, I can't say that I'm, I'm, I'm certain as you are. I certainly think there's potential. Uh, I wouldn't be back in the project if I didn't think there was potential for us to do it. But the assurance that you have, I'm, I'm very envious of. Uh, Aaron says, one of... Um, my mum's on the Suns team talks about the AFCON for almost the whole hour on Saturday and Sunday. 
uh, double passionate, that lady. That's brilliant to hear. Uh, Ronaldinho the Goat says, it's time to get serious and bring in Giovanni Simeone uh, from Napoli. He's available for dirt. Giovanni Simeone. For a minute, I was like, who are you talking about? <laughs> well, I realized you're talking about his son. I'm not sure Simeone, the striker, is the guy. Um, I'm not sure he is. I think there are... Um, you know, I, I think that I think it's really, really important to to consider that Arsenal, when they go for a striker, it needs to be the elite. It needs to be the absolute elite, and that's really, really important. Um, Charlie says, "Do you think a striker is crucial to this team for Arsenal winning the league? Is that's what's really stopping the team?" It's a really good question, Charlie. The reason why I often don't, I often balk at this question at times, is because Arsenal scored more goals than they've ever scored before without that mythical 30-goal-a-season striker. With Gabby Jesus, Saka, Erdegaard, Martinelli, and obviously the depth around them as well, and Xhaka in the midfield, it's always important to point out, Arsenal scored more goals than a Premier League team that included Thierry Henry, more Premier League goals than a Premier League team that included uh, Robin Van Persie, more than Ian Wright, more than Alan Smith, more than Nicolas Anelka, more than Pierre-Erik Aubameyang. This Arsenal team under Arteta with Gabby Jesus as the main striker missing for a third of the season scored more goals than we have ever seen a Premier League team, Premier League Arsenal team score. And so that's why I don't think it's always crucial, but I do think obviously that there's no point in, dis in disregarding the idea that bringing in a, a better striker than Jesus would certainly not help us. Um, and, and that's the thing is that 88 Premier League goals is no longer enough. 88 Premier League goals is no longer what it takes to win you a title. Back in the days of Thierry Henry and Robin Van Persie and the like, if you scored 88 goals in a season, you probably were going to win the league. But now, I think you need to score more than 90, potentially, or at least have a very, very, very good defence. And so that's why I do think, Charlie, that I lean towards the argument that bringing in a centre-forward that can give you 30-plus goals, which is very, very hard to find, very, very hard to find, uh, is ultimately what could take Arsenal to that next level. Arnold says, you're wrong. You need a proven goal scorer for the times when you're out of form. Uh, look at our goals towards the end of the season when form was bad. Look at Man City's level after they brought one in. Did I not just say? I thought I just said I leant towards the side of saying that, yes, we do need it. I was just providing a bit of... It's amazing how quickly people will angrily type out a comment before I've even finished my point. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, it's, uh, it is funny. Um, let's go to... Uh, Drunks Are Us says... <laughs> amazing name. Uh, I love this channel. Great fans in the chat box as well. Always good Q&A. Thanks, mate. Um, Damien says, there's a guy that we should be looking at that's banging goals in this season in the National League North. We're just throwing random names out, aren't we, right? Yeah. I think it's going to be very, very difficult to find um, the striker that is going to take us to that next level. You can either go into the summer window and sign Ozzyman and basically say, I'm going to dump 100 million quid plus on this guy and hope that he can translate one 30-plus goal a season, uh, which was last season, into the Premier League. Or what you can do is you can try and find a player that you think can become that striker that can turn what they've done so far into 30 goals a season. Is that a Goya Carez at Sporting? Is that a Boniface at Bayer Leverkusen? Uh, is that 
again, it's it's tough, isn't it? Trying to find those centre forwards. Is it Alpenda? I'll be Leipzig. Are are there strikers out there that Arsenal get? You know, I did a piece actually that went out yesterday reacting to that comment from Arteta where he said that we need 30 to 40 goal. We haven't got a 30 to 30, 40 goal season striker. And I said, who are the three strikers that Arsenal, you know, in a dream world could sign? Well, one of them is Karen Benzema on a six-month loan deal. He has scored 30 goals plus in, in plenty of recent seasons. But realistically, are Arsenal going to do that? I don't think so. Kylian Mbappe is, of course, the other. Again, realistically, are Arsenal going to go and get Mbappe? Wage-wise, I don't think it's financially feasible for Arsenal to do that. And the other one is Victor Ozymen, who scored 31 goals in all competitions last season. That's the most realistic because he has a release clause and we know Arsenal are open to spending over £100 million on a player because we've done it. Are players like Ivan Tony Is a player like Ollie Watkins going to give you that after their Premier League experience? The thing about that is, is if you spend the big, big money on Ivan Tony or Ollie Watkins, they are of an age where if they don't do it pretty much straight away in the first couple of seasons, the likelihood is you've spent huge money on a player that does not have the sustainable trait of them being able to do it in the future. And that's the risk that you take when you move into the Tony and Watkins talk of strikers, which is why I, to be honest, lean more towards the younger option that has the scope to score 30 plus goals in a season if you're going to try and find that striker. But finding who that is, is very, very hard to do. Very, very, very hard to do. So that's that's the that's the challenge. That is the challenge at the moment. Um, PGU says, Tom, I'm considering becoming a Real Madrid fan. What do you think? I mean, do you not support anyone now? Or are you an Arsenal fan and you're considering becoming a Real Madrid fan? Ultimately, PGU, you can do what you want. <laughs> I mean, if you are an Arsenal fan and you're considering becoming a Real Madrid fan, I'm going to judge you. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's ultimately your choice. So your life, your choice, you choose what you want to do. Uh, Namdo says the critical issue is depth. Arsenal don't have enough quality to provide high tempo quality football for the minutes across all competitions. And they struggled last season. And this season is even tougher. We're not done. You know, the squad building is not done. Um, and so therefore, uh, we, I, I'm not surprised that we don't have that depth yet. We need more depth. We need more quality. We need more strength. Um, and that in itself is always going to be a challenge because unlike City, we can't guarantee you trophies every season. And so if you're willing to sit on the bench for a big portion of the campaign, but you know you've got trophies coming in the season because you play for a club that always competes and potentially wins them every year, it's a lot easier to convince you to sign. For Arsenal, you've got to convince them that, yes, you might not play as many minutes, but you're going to develop into a very good player here and you're going to be potentially in with a chance of winning trophies, which is harder to convince them for a Man City uh, potential depth option as well. Um, Arnold says, mind-boggling that we all agreed Arsenal need a number eight, but for some reason we signed Havertz. Arnold, what I think is mind-boggling is the the lack of appreciation for Thomas Partey's injury in this conversation. Um, because in my opinion, Havertz was not signed to be Granite Xhaka's replacement. That is my personal view. And it's my, it's my view from watching when we played our toughest initial game, which was that community shield, no matter if you think it's friendly or whatever. To an extent, I agree. But in that game against Man City, when we had Timber and when we had Partey, we played with Timber in that left-back role. We played with White at right-back. We played with Saliba and Gabriel. And we played with Rice and Partey in the middle. And we played with Erdegaard ahead of them. 
And I personally believe it is my opinion that the decision to sign Declan Rice was the decision to replace Granit Xhaka with a player that would take us to that next level. And it would be Partey and Rice because Partey had just come off the back of a 33-game season in the Premier League. And that combination was meant to be the plan. And so it's my opinion that I don't think it's mind-boggling that Arsenal, that we agree about needing a number eight. And for some reason, we sign Havertz. I think the reason we sign Havertz is to give ourselves a different attacking option, to give us something different. But the injury to Partey, I think, has scuppered. And the injury to Timber, I think, has scuppered the plans that Arteta had at the beginning of the campaign. And because of that, uh, ultimately, we've we've suffered. Um, and I can't wait to see Partey and Timber come back and hopefully see what the plan is in the long term with those players in. But let's, let's wait and see what happens. Um, Rob says, phone in this week, maybe tonight, Rob, maybe today. We might be doing one today, um, five or six o'clock maybe. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, but we might have a phone-in show today. No promises, but uh, we might have one today. Um, let's go to, let's scroll up some more and see some of these others that I've uh, not done. Uh, Fuad says, Tom, what would you prefer a team who is an elite defense, but a mid attack or an elite attack with a mid defense? Well, the cliche goes Fuad, that, you know, goals win your games, but defenses win your titles. Ultimately, I don't think either of those two options wins you a title. So I, I guess the argument would be probably an elite elite defense um and an okay attack because that's got more potential to finish you higher up the table maybe but i ultimately think both of those options don't win you anything so mm, yeah difficult difficult uh, what's the phone in subject going to be marcus is it guests for the live event <laughs> it's going to be a surprise oh, i've told you that it's a surprise um Let's go to Ian says, interesting. I mean, Mikel Arteta said Havertz was brought for his versatility in playing in midfield and attack, but still a long way to go. We need Havertz to successfully contribute. Look, Havertz is a versatile option, but I look at that game against Man City in the Community Shield. I look at that 11 that we had. Havertz was playing up top, of course, as well, because Jesus was out. And I think Havertz, for me, was sin at that point as someone who could play at centre forward. And I've preferred him at centre forward. Um, but had Partey and Rice and Timber been available for us all season. I think we've been talking about a very, very, very different campaign than we are talking about right now. Um, Ashish says, from history, we always knew part A is not going to give us a full season. So my criticism would be, why weren't the decisions taken into that account? I think that they were. We signed Jorginho in January and we signed Havertz as well, um, who, as, as uh, I am pointed out, Arteta reference as being a versatile option. And you also have to remember that Partey overcame the injury issues that he had at the start of his time at Arsenal last season when he competed in and played more Premier League games than we've ever seen. The trajectory of Partey was that he was going to be available for more games. However, that sadly changed, obviously, when we've seen the suffered the injuries that he suffered this season being very, very different as well. Um, let's go to... Oh, I'm a bit bored of you. Uh, let's go to Ayanle says... Um, let's miss that. Ayanle says, guys, you need... To, uh, you really need to stop this when you say Arteta out, but you have to have no... But with no solution. It's messed up. Please give him time. I hate how he dropped um, the goalie, but he keeps playing uh, Havertz as well. Um, I think that you absolutely need to have a solution. You know, the Arteta outside of things and that argument, there is just not simply an argument for me at the moment that stands up to scrutiny right now. Uh, with the amount of phone-in shows we've done where we've tried to to get that challenge on and it's it's not materialised. 
it is what it is. I know I hopped on with with plenty of other content creators and still they tend not to have an argument when it comes up with the the scrutiny that those arguments come under. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, Trevor says, why do fans keep asking questions about Arteta when you know he's going nowhere? I guess, I guess frustration, Trevor. I guess they're frustrated. So they want to ask the question. They want to get that kind of thought process out into the main a bit more, maybe. Some would say that I shouldn't give them the airtime, but I, I personally want to hear varied opinions. Um, as long as it's not abusive, I want to hear it. You know, I will never entertain abuse. If you're an abusive person, you come in nowhere near this channel. You know, as soon as someone was on a phone and started saying anything abusive, they'd be gone. It's as simple as that. We don't entertain it. You can't have a reasonable adult discussion. You come in nowhere near the channel. But the, uh, the fact of the matter is that I think the frustration of a lot of supporters is justified to a degree, and I'm ha I'm happy to hear that. But I think it also ultimately needs to be backed up with facts. That's what's going to be. That's the difference uh, in those discussions here than it might be elsewhere. Ian says the solution is not our job; it is the job of the board. And no one knew that Arteta was the choice of the board when they sacked Emery. Um, I have a problem with this point of view. I think it's too dismissive. I think it's too um throw away to the people that want to have a point of view um about Arteta saying should be sacked. If you think Arteta should be sacked and you have got no explanation or solution behind that, I just can't take the point of view seriously. That's me. That's just me. So I'm sorry, but I can't I can't take that point of view seriously if there is no reasoned explanation or no solution being provided that cannot be backed up. So it's just me. I mean, if you're different, you're different, but that's just where I sit. Anyway, uh, we'll, we'll bring an end to this Arteta-focused show once again uh, to a close. Uh, thank you so much, guys, for listening and tuning in. Do drop a like on the video and subscribe to the channel if you're new around here with those notifications turned on so you never miss a show. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you. I might potentially be doing a phone-in show a little bit later on this afternoon, probably about recruitment. I, I, I kind of want to talk a bit more about recruitment. I kind of want to talk about the perception of Edu and Edu's role in things. Um, so that might be depending on what happens throughout the day. But I think I want to talk a bit about recruitment because obviously with the January window being so quiet, um, I, I do kind of want to talk about um, that. So uh, make sure you tune in a little bit later on today, um, this uh, late afternoon, early evening for the next phone-in show. I think we'll be doing it then. Um, but thank you for listening. Uh, drop a like, subscribe, all that lovely stuff. And um, yeah, I'll be back otherwise tomorrow morning, bright and early once again at 8 a.m. Have a fantastic day. Stay safe, stay well, stay happy. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around, and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go, and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.